Principal Matters Podcast, episode 308. Friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about leading with a humble heart with my guest, Zach Bowermaster. Zach Bowermaster currently serves as principal of Kessel Hill Elementary School, located in the Warwick School District in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Zach has the tremendous opportunity to lead teachers, support staff, families, and most importantly, the next generation daily. His greatest joy in education is seeing adults leverage their God-given talents and abilities through inspiring kids to find and use their gifts. Before becoming a principal, Zach served public education in various K-12 roles, such as assistant principal, administrator of online learning, teacher, and coach. He received his undergraduate degree from Millersville University in secondary education and completed his master's degree in educational technology from Pennsylvania State University. Zach returned to Penn State where he earned his principal certification. And most recently he earned his doctorate in education leadership and superintendent letter of eligibility from Drexel University. Congratulations. He is a lifelong learner, always looking to learn and grow. His family jokes that he went to school in kindergarten and has never stopped. Zach continues to grow his leadership influence and share encouragement and positivity through various social media platforms, magazine publications, and speaking events. Most importantly, Zach is the husband to his wife, Carly, and father to three young kids, Olivia, Elliot, and Isaac, and he's a firm believer in leading his family first. He and his family reside in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. He is also the author of the new book, Leading with a Humble Heart, a 40-day devotional for leaders. Zach our master, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast, and well, feel free to fill in the gaps on that intro and maybe tell listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you. Very good. Thank you, Will. I, I appreciate being on the Principal Matters Podcast, getting to connect with you and all your listeners. So as you said, I am the proud husband to Carly and father of three wonderful kids, Olivia, Elliot, and Isaac, and I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So that's Amish country. I don't know if you're too familiar with the Amish or if you've seen many Amish where you are. I have been to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. When I was in high school, my father was in the military and we had friends that lived in your county. And Zach, it is a storybook land. I can't believe you get to live there. I mean, seriously, listeners, if you've never been there, I want you just to picture opening up a children's storybook of the most beautiful farmland and green countryside and horses and buggies and just blue skies. And that's where Zach lives, right, Zach? You described it perfectly. And what's, and what's pretty neat about it is our location to the beach, whether we go to Ocean City, New Jersey, whether we go up to the mountains, whether it's Williamsport, New York City. We were just down in Washington, D.C. recently, and everything's about two to three hours, so it's not a bad trip. So our family loves taking little trips to local cities, to the beach, to mountain areas, so we have a lot of fun, but it is certainly a beautiful place. Well, you just convinced me to move there. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so if you want to come where it's really, really hot most of the summer and the, the ground is a dry, beautiful brown and the, and the heat can be so oppressive that you think you've just opened the oven door to a pizza oven. That's what summer's like for us, Zach. So I'm just telling yes. you, I think I think I have, if I had to choose between Tulsa and Pennsylvania, I'd be coming your direction. Well, I am so excited to get to meet you. Um, we were introduced to each other through the same publishing company that did my book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish. 
Jimmy Casas and Jeff Zuler, friends of mine, and they gave me a heads up when your new book came out. And I was so excited because this is a book that's written for educators. And of course, you know, Principal Matters is a show for education leaders. And so leading with a humble heart, a 40-day devotional book. I, I want to just say on the front end for any listeners who may not share our spiritual journey, I don't want you to feel like you are being... Um, a captive audience for a conversation that is meaningful for the spiritual growth that Zach and I both experience. And obviously you are adults. If you want to listen to this conversation, you can continue on. And if you feel like, Hey, this is making me uncomfortable because I don't share your spiritual or religious journey, then you can simply go to the next episode or go back to the last one. But I want to invite you to stay in this conversation for a few minutes because Zach has written a book that's from his heart and it's influenced the way that he leads as well as the way that he serves other people. And so Jack, Zach, let me just jump. Sorry, my son's name is Jack, so I may make that mistake more than once. In your book overview, you explain how, for you, the Bible and Scripture has been foundational for not only what you believe, but how you lead. So I I wanted to ask you first, could you share some lessons that Scripture's provided for you in serving others, both negative and positive examples of leadership? Yeah, and I'll start. I, I love sharing the story that from an early age, my mom had colorful index cards and she would sit them on my nightstand just with Bible verses. And as I grew up, I saw them there, but I, I didn't think too much about it, but I kept them there and I would look at them, but I still have those Bible verses. So it's really neat. Just those scripture verses that I've hid in my heart all these years and really planted in my heart. So scripture has been a foundation. And, and what I've really seen through my experiences through leadership, two verses that really stand out to me, Jeremiah 17, seven through eight, where blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water who sends out its roots by the stream. And it talks about then how it doesn't fear when heat comes or a drought comes. And that really reminds me of leadership where it's going to be difficult and it's going to be challenging. But as leaders, we need to make sure we take care of ourselves first and we're in a good spot because leadership is all about people and then taking care of other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another verse that... I hold to my heart is first Thessalonians 5:11. Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. And and I don't I don't care who you are, we all need encouragement. So that's a verse that that's a life verse for me just to go out there and encourage people. And I I know I need encouragement myself. And I said sometimes there's nothing like a handwritten note that you get from somebody that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. And, well, I love that. You know that you and I were talking a little off the air before we started recording about the experience that I had with my third book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish. And when I wrote that book, I wrote it because I felt like with leaders, often in the previous books I had worked on, I had shared a lot of practical suggestions and strategies for leaderships and tools and techniques for communication, et cetera. But the the conversation that I kept having with leaders in an ongoing um, conversation was, how do I stay motivated in this work that I do? And so that always brought me back to those questions. Well, how do I stay motivated in the work Mm -hmm. that I do? And I began to make a list of the areas where I had to consistently self-reflect and stay focused, or I would find myself burning out Mm -hmm. or being discouraged. And they included a long list, Zach. It included things like uh, physical care, nutrition, and rest, uh, spending time with my family, um, being a careful steward of the resources that I have, um, investing in the legacy and mentoring other people. But a part of that too is paying attention to my own spiritual condition. And I love the analogy, um, you know, in Maslow's hierarchy, when you look at the hierarchy of needs, there's this, most educators understand that 
to, to reach kids, you have to make sure that you've met their physiological needs, their, their mental and, and, and safety, their, their health needs, so that eventually Maslow's peak is, you know, they reach self-actualization. You probably know this, but Maslow added another component in his later years, which was transcendence. And, you know, for me as a person of faith, I saw that and I was like, you know, that's so beautiful because if my ultimate goal is to understand myself and yet it doesn't lead me to understand something bigger than myself, then that's pretty limited. And so what I love about your devotional is it's an opportunity for people to revisit ideas bigger than themselves. So before, feel free to fill in the gaps or add to those thoughts, but I have another question I want to ask you. Yeah, I, so I'm, I'm really smiling and nodding my head because I just sat down earlier this week with a notepad and I wrote down all the things I need to do again to, to get myself back in a better spot. So the book was released. We're starting up a school year. I'm the father to three. I'm a husband, a lot going on. And I realized hey, I, I can't keep this up. I'm not in a healthy pattern. So I sat down and just started jotting down. All right. I need to eat better, get in a workout routine, go on walks, uh, keep my cell phone away at this time, limit technology and just those different things. Cause I did hit, and I share about it in the book. I hit a season in 2015, 2016, where you know, I, I was teaching, I was coaching, I, I was a young father. And all of a sudden I started, I didn't know what it was at first, but I really went through a season of anxiety and, and depression. And I didn't know what it was. But during that time is when I really started to journal and write and go to scripture and dive in realizing, hey, I, I can't do this myself. And then John 15, five, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but in me, you can bear much fruit. So just that as leaders, I need to bear fruit for my to my wife and my kids and those people I'd lead. So really taking care of ourselves as leaders first and foremost. Mm, that's so good. Thank you for that. You call your book leading with a humble heart. And so I want to ask you this question. How is the message of humble leadership different from the ways leaders are often perceived or even expected to behave in their positions of influence? I think humility and humbleness is a, a unique word, especially when we think of leadership. When you Google, maybe Google words, uh, leadership words, you don't too often see humility or humbleness. And it's just a word that's really stood out to me. And at first, when I was writing this book, the title was leading with the heart of humble confidence. So really that idea of, hey, we can be confident uh, in Christ, we can do all things. Um, but humble enough to know a part we can't. So that just, just leading that from that place of humbleness. And I really think when I think of leading hum humbly, I think of even first Corinthians, like what is love? But I think of that as leadership. It's patient. It's kind. It, it's not self-seeking. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. And I just think about those words. It, and, and I also think of being quick to listen and slow to speak and just really listening and walking alongside people. And I think Sometimes when we think of a leader, we think of that person that might be um, in front and in charge and, and demanding. And, you know, there's so many different sides and different perspectives with leaders. And it's important that we see, hey, a lot of that can be a sense of confidence, but also within that, the humbleness piece. Mm. Well, let's stay for there for just a moment, because you you talk about also in the in explaining how Jesus himself through scripture is an example of what you call humble confidence. So I, I want to push a little bit on this, Zach, because I think sometimes when educators and, and education leaders are trying to 
determine the best way forward in their own leadership, or maybe they're even encountering people who espouse faith. Um, but sometimes, and I'm just going to talk about the experiences that I've discussed with other leaders. Sometimes leaders and educators are receiving some pretty harsh and sometimes even threatening behaviors from, from people in communities who claim that their criticism is based on biblical perspectives. And, and I know this isn't news to you. I was just mm -hmm. looking at some surveys this week from the National Association of Secondary School Principals and listeners, I can link to this, uh, but they just shared this out this week, a thousand principals who they surveyed over the summer and um, three quarters of those leaders, 73% of them reported that they needed help with their mental health or emotional health last year. 70% of them reported they were personally threatened or attacked or physically or verbally attacked during the past year. And one out of two leaders claims their stress has been so high that they've considered a career change in retirement. So very similar to what you and I were just talking about in your own experience, whether that was pre or post pandemic, there's a lot of stresses on people. And sometimes even the people who are giving us those stresses might claim uh, that they believe scripture too. So as a leader, how do you maintain that position of humble confidence um, within those dynamics? And I know that's a hard question, Zach, but I wanted to ask that in the context of this conversation. Yeah, well, I appreciate you asking that question. And I don't have a perfect answer, but I've sat in those board meetings where, you know, you see someone go up to the podium and, and quote scripture and, and I'll even feel slightly uncomfortable to be completely honest. I, I'm a believer uh, in scripture, in the word. I, I've seen board members also respond with scripture. So I've seen it getting you know, shared back and forth. And what's amazing about all of this is people want the same thing. They want what's best for kids and, and there's just different perspectives. And, and so, like I said, I don't have a perfect answer for it, but I think, I think of two things and I talk about it in the book. There's, there's confirmation bias where you have, you have people who are looking for people that believe the same things. And then Michael Fullen in 2011 and change leader talked about impressive empathy. And that's the ability to, understand those who disagree with you. And so I've really been thinking about that as a leader, impressive empathy, just hearing and listening, go to Covey, seek to understand. And it, it doesn't answer anything perfectly, but, it, and I also talk about in the book when, you know, Jesus was at the point of, of crucifixion and the chief priests had accused him and Pilate said, do you have anything to say back? And Jesus said, nothing. And, and sometimes saying nothing is one of the best things we can do. Uh, but but it's been a, it's been a tough road, and as we've seen the last few years, a lot of different perspectives, and I really think of those confirmation bias and impressive empathy. Mm, those are both really wise, really wise responses, and Michael Fullen is a great one to rely on when it comes to understanding cultural context, and and especially, I I think the wisdom in what I've just heard you saying, Zach, is what I've heard other leaders say too, which is that it's really easy to listen to people and hear the things you can disagree with them about. It's harder and wiser to really listen and try to determine what is the fear that's motivating what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And how do I assure them that at the end of the day, my intention is what is best for all of these kids? How do we, how do we reach that consensus together? Because you still live with people, what's being said through social media, or sometimes maybe people who come to board meetings who have agendas. The truth is over time, if you live in those communities, you're going to see people long-term, not just in a snapshot or not just in a social media post. You're going to see them at the grocery again. You're going to see them at the game. You're going to see them in the community. You might even see them in your church. And so 
maintaining that long perspective gives you the opportunity to build context, connect with people and build trust so that over time they can understand that really you have the best interests of kids in mind as well. Anything else you want to add to that before I ask the next question? As you were talking there, Will, I thought about something my assistant superintendent, Dr. Callender, said throughout the past couple, throughout last year, that relationships will outlast the masks. And that's as we were going through that. And then, mm. you know, you get into different topics now that are coming up at board meetings. But that's where I think schools also need to be responsive, where you have systems in place. If someone has a concern, okay, there's a system in place where we can go through, we can vet, we can take a look at it. And you see different school districts doing that, forming committees uh, that are involving the community. But just having, having that spot for people to speak, for people to share, and be able to listen to them as well. Well, the format of your book is designed for daily meditation and reflection. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to, to, to write something that was so meaningful for your own personal growth, but also to share it out with others. And so I, I wanted to ask you, Zach, um, this is the first interview I've done with an education leader who's written a daily devotional, and I'm really excited to get my hands on it. Right? You shared an overview with me in advance, but I'm, I'm excited to get my hands on it and use it myself. But I wanted to ask you to, could you share a favorite example from your book and, and what readers might expect if they were to, to dive into one of your daily devotions? So the format is set up where there's a title. It's not a long read. It's, it's probably about two, two paragraphs and then there's some journal prompts. But the goal of that, and I, I start out with the preface, is really setting that stage for every morning, early morning, for some others it's evening, but really creating space so creating space, finding time to be still, just surrender, and then study, study the word, study God's word, scribe, journal, and then really go in that supplication and then go out and serve. So it's really about getting ourselves in a good spot as we go out to lead people, because leadership, again, is all about people. And we can't lead effectively if we're not leading our, we can't lead others effectively if we're not leading ourselves. And so one story I want to share is I talk about, I think it's day 10, that's gotten a lot of positive response, and it's called Discomfort Leads to Growth. And it's based on the Bible verse, but it's based on the story of Gideon when Gideon and the Israelites were fighting against the Midianites. And the Midianites had 135,000 people. The Israelites had 32,000. But God tells Gideon, you have too many people. Gideon's probably like, what? I have, I have 32,000. They have 135,000. So so they then reduce the army and then Gideon, they eventually go fight with 300 people versus 135,000. And, and God's saying there, I don't want the Israelites, I don't want you to go think you did this in your own strength, but this is, this is God's strength. And that's where that humble confidence comes in. But with, with that, I also share a personal story. And as I said, I went through that season of anxiety and depression where I almost realized, whoa, I can't do this myself. And it was a point of where you, you get weakened to be strengthened. And, mm -hmm. and uh, Paul Tripp says, weakness is the portal to strength. And, and we go through those times, that idea of discomfort leads to growth. So as they were preparing for battle, I'm sure they were uncomfortable. Wow, we only have 300 people. Look at all of them. And we go through so many of those experiences in life, whether it's a, a tough day, a tough week, a tough trial. And it's, it's 40 days because of that example, the biblical example of how trials and different tribulations occurred within 40 days but how often we're often even shaped through those and we come out stronger. Mm, that's such a great reminder. And, you know, just yesterday I was communicating with an education leader who said school had just begun for them and 
right at the beginning of school, there was a dear education colleague in their community who passed away. And we've all been through those experiences in our school communities when you lose a loved one, a colleague, a student, a beloved community member. And I'm, I can just tell you, Zach, from the experiences that I've been in with that, you realize really quickly how shallow your own strength is in those situations and how quickly you need to be able to pull together with the strength and the faith of other people. And I know people come from all kinds of different backgrounds into our school communities, but there is something so beautiful about holding hands with people you love and even allowing those who have faith expressions to be able to express their beliefs and their faith and to find strength in those moments. I've just seen a lot of um, healing happen in communities when, when leaders are allowing people to express their faith expressions during those hardest times as well. I know we both serve in public school sectors. And so there are some, obviously some, some guardrails that we have to manage within those contexts too. But, um, but that's such a great example. That story of Gideon, such a good reminder that when we think we can shore up our own strength, we're quickly reminded that there's a strength that's always bigger than ours that we need to rely on. Anything else you want to add to that before I ask you your next question? No, certainly. And I think, I think it's just the fact and why I wrote this was it came from journaling and realizing like things were, things were challenging, things were hard. And so you just started writing and realizing there's so many different things, as you mentioned there, that example that are challenging in leadership. Well, let's stay there for a moment because I do want to, I do want to discuss this, this difficult navigation that education leaders have to do. And I've had a lot of leaders reach out to me over the years, listening to this podcast who have shared their own personal journeys with me, um, some of which involve faith, some of which do not. But, but in all of those conversations, you, you, you find people who are really wrestling with how can I remain authentic in the things I believe and express without crossing legal and social boundaries that exist when serving communities of diverse backgrounds, some of which are religious, some are which are non-religious. And so I'm not asking you for the answer, Zach, but in your experience, because you're an education leader now with experience, how do you navigate some of those tricky waters in serving diverse communities? I use, I think of it, I talk about leadership a lot. It's all about people. And I like to break it down in an acronym. So the P is we prioritize people. When we prioritize them, we get to know them. And then the E, we can empathize with them. And the O then is we can observe their needs and then be purposeful with our interaction. So I'm thinking about the O and the P there as you talk about it. We get to know people, we get to know them, and, it, and it's almost honestly like reading the room. You read the room the, and, and how you're interacting with people as you get to know them. So you're, you're respecting them, you're getting to know them, that idea of impressive empathy, you're, you're seeking to understand, but you're also being completely respectful where you're not, you're not seeking to cross any lines. And I think that's why, we need to get to know people first and foremost. So when we get to know them, it'll impact how we're interacting with them. Mm, it's fantastic. But can you repeat those, that acronym again? Because I'm, a, I'm taking notes and I'm realizing that uh, if principal matters to listeners, it was prioritize people. Prior, yep, prioritize people. So then when we prioritize, we know them and we can better empathize with them, including impressive empathy. Uh, and then we can observe the needs of people. And I, that's the one where I talk about where you can talk about thermometer versus thermostat leadership, the balcony mm -hmm. and the dance floor, and then being purposeful in our act, interactions, realizing if we want to have relationships, we need to work at connecting at it every day. 
And then that takes us to L. So then we love people. So once we truly get to know them, and I think that builds on your question as well, we get to know them, we understand, we respect their differences. We love them. And then the E, going back to that first Thessalonians 5.11, encourage. So then we encourage people as we're all out there running our race, we're all out facing different trials, we're all out there experiencing different successes, but we're encouraging each other as we go through it. All right, Principal Matters listeners. So if you're a note taker like I am, that's prioritizing people, empathizing, the E, observing their needs, purposefully interacting, loving, and encouraging. I love that, Zach. That's such a great takeaway. Well, as we wrap up this conversation, I just want to um, I, I want to speak to those education leaders. There's folks who are listening to this at the time of this recording's release, and then there are some people who will be digging into the archives of this. They may be discovering this weeks into the school year or maybe even months later. And you and I both know that the opportunities and the challenges that educators are facing right now as they're starting back new semesters here, at least in the U.S., um, can be both really encouraging and overwhelming at the same time. So what encouragement would you offer to educators who are facing a new year um, and some of the lessons that you've learned through your experience in the writing of this book? What I'm going to introduce to staff when we kick things off, I have a big seven. And, and I want to share the big seven now. So here's another <laughs> takeaway. Um, so we need to take care of ourselves. So I really want to encourage people to take care of themselves. Have a, have a culture of healthy people. We want people to be healthy. So we take care of ourselves and we take care of each other. When we do that, we can better love kids. And that's what we're there for, to really, truly love kids. Controlled and controllables, as we've seen, there are so many things that are outside of our control. Another thing that I've really been talking about is pursuing excellence, not perfection. And I think as leaders, we love to be competent. And there's been situations where we haven't felt as competent recently because it was all, it's all been very new. So really pursuing excellence and not perfection. And then really looking for the little moments. I take little moment walks throughout the day. You can get bogged down by emails, phone calls, tough situations. So I try to purposefully go on little moment walks while I even have my phone and I'll get some pictures, but really see things that I could easily miss throughout a day. And whether that's, that's seeing a teacher elbow bump a kid who struggled all day, but hey, here's an elbow bump. I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to try again. Or a student who's struggling, throws some things on the floor in, in an elementary classroom and the teacher's right down there helping to pick it up. Or the custodian who's helping to escort a student who is struggling in the hallway. You just start to see those little moments and really focus on those because that's what we're there for, those little moments. And then lastly, that seventh one is have fun to enjoy what we're doing. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I missed one of them. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care yep. of kids. Love kids. Love kids. Control the controllables. Pursue excellence, not perfection. Take little moments and have fun. Oh my gosh. It. All right. I'm holding on to all those truths <laughs> stepping into the school year. Well, the book is called Leading with a Humble Heart by Zach Bowermaster. And if you want to get a hold of Zach's book, Zach, I'm going to let you tell people where they can find your book and how they can stay connected with you if they want to reach out to you and stay in contact with you. Very good. So the book is available on Amazon. You can connect with me at zachbowermaster.com. Just got a a website up and up and running. And also my main platform is on Twitter, but you can also find me on Instagram as well at Z Bowermaster. 
Well, Zach, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. I do have a bonus question because we have an opportunity here and I'm looking at the clock and realize that I can probably hold you for at least another couple of minutes. But tell us a little bit more about your school, your community, and something you're excited about leading into this new school year. So I'm at Kissel Hill Elementary, proud principal of Kissel Hill Elementary. What's really neat about the building is it's last year we started a pre-K program. So it's pre-K through sixth grade. So fairly large elementary school. And we're located within the Warwick School District in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. So that's, it's, it's been voted one of the, the cutest, the nicest small towns. So it's a really neat area to be in. But I'm really excited as I begin my second year in this role to really continue those relationships with the kids and families. Towards the second part of the year, we were able to open things up again and have the families come out. We just had these huge events. And it's so neat to see the hallways filled with families or the gym filled for a concert. So I'm really excited to have those opportunities back again. Well, Zach, I'm excited to introduce your book and your content to Principal Matters listeners. And if anyone wants to travel to God's country, you can always reach out to Zach Bowermaster and find out how you can get to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Also, I believe home of Hershey chocolate. Is it is that still yep. around? Yeah, Hershey's right here. Yeah. We have Dutch Wonderland. We have Sight and Sound. We have yeah. the outlets. We have a lot of neat things. Yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong if the town you live in is actually the producers of chocolate? I mean, that's just like amazing. Well, Zach, thank you for the work that you're doing serving students and your community, for being the dad for your for your kids, and for giving something so valuable back to educators, which is something that can help um, bring inspiration to our hearts as we start this new school year together. Until next time, thank you for doing what matters, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Will. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.